Welcome to the Creekside Community Church Podcast. If you don't yet follow Jesus, we want to provide you with a safe place to explore the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, we want to provide you with resources to help you grow in your faith and ultimately serve Jesus more effectively. For more information or to partner with us, visit our website at creekside.cc. Subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages. We hope this content helps you take your next step with Jesus. Hello, Luke here. Uh, This is our second of our extra bonus podcasts we are doing as we work through the book of Exodus. And the purpose of these podcasts is the fact that sometimes the text raises questions that we really don't have time in a regular Sunday morning service to address and really dig into uh, with all the time that it deserves. And so in today's episode, we are going to be looking at the question of lying. When is lying okay? And this emerges directly from the story that we read last week in Exodus chapter 1. And one of the last things that happens in that chapter is that Pharaoh has this plan for secret genocide. And he tells the Hebrew midwives, he commands them, if the baby born is a boy, you should kill that baby. And this is kind of secret genocide because the idea is that the Hebrews at this point wouldn't know what's going on. And the midwives would just say something like, oh, I'm so sorry, the baby died. So let the girls live, kill the Hebrew boys. Now, the Hebrew midwives are named, first of all, we looked at that on Sunday. They are kind of heroes in the story, Shifra and Pua. And they lie to Pharaoh. They say, oh, we, we can't get there in time. The Hebrew women are so vigorous and they give birth. Um, they're unlike the Egyptians who need our help. They, like, they don't even need our help. They're almost like wild animals and they give birth before we can get there. Now, the question is, um, is that okay what the midwives do? And this is an important question because later on, as you read through scripture, you get to the Ten Commandments. And the Ninth Commandment is that you should not bear a false testimony. Uh, Specifically, I think it's talking about court cases there. But the principle is extended that we are supposed to be people who tell the truth, those of us who follow Jesus. And this becomes even more uh, clear in the New Testament. For example, Um, Jesus calls himself in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. Uh, Hebrews 6 talks about the consistency of God's character, that that what he says, he does, and he is completely consistent with himself. He doesn't lie, and he will never lie. So for those of us who follow Jesus and are seeking to be transformed over time and become more and more like Jesus, then Is there ever a time when it's okay to lie or not? And if not, then why did God approve of the actions of these Hebrew midwives? That's the question we're going to explore today. Now, this is one of two examples in the Old Testament of lying being approved of, or at least not disapproved of, where it has a good outcome, you could say. So we have this story here in Exodus chapter 1 with the Hebrew midwives, and the other story comes up in the book of Joshua. If you remember the book of Joshua, this is recording the conquest, the taking of the land of Canaan, and Joshua sends two spies into Jericho to check things out, and Rahab, the prostitute, hides them. And when the guards come and say, hey, we're looking for these spies, she says, oh, they, they came here, but they left. And she, 
in turn is rewarded even with becoming an Israelite, and her life is saved because, again, she lied. So what's going on? There's a couple things that you need to observe about both of these texts that is important. Uh, First of all, when it comes to these Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1, when you pay attention to what's going on in the rest of the story, you realize very quickly, look, this is Exodus 1. The Ten Commandments haven't even been given yet. Israel has not made a covenant with God at Mount Sinai yet, which is when the Ten Commandments are offered. So Shifra and Pua have not yet you know, sworn to God, yes, we will follow your laws, including the Ninth Commandment. Now, that may sound a little weird because... You know, we know that God's law is written on our hearts, and we all have consciences, even without the law, and we kind of know what right and wrong is. But it is an important point that they perhaps did not have the same list of rules or maybe not such a firm understanding of what those laws were as we do later. And so for them, at that time, perhaps it wasn't, you could say, as wrong uh, to lie. This is also true in the case of Rahab, interestingly. Remember, Rahab is is not an Israelite yet. She doesn't even know about the Ten Commandments. She's heard about the people of Israel, and her, and she says the whole city is scared of what might happen because they've heard about how powerful this people is, and they know where they're heading, but, but she isn't an Israelite yet. She isn't under the law yet. She's an unbeliever at this time when she tells this lie. So it is interesting that in both of these cases, the people who are lying aren't yet under the covenant. Another important point that needs to be clarified is the situation in both of these cases. For the Hebrew midwives, what would have happened if they had told the truth? Answer, Hebrew boys dead, right? Uh, For Rahab, what would have happened if she had told the truth? the guards and said, okay, I did take the spies. Uh, They're hiding on my rooftop. Come and get them. They would have died. In both cases, human lives are at stake. And I see here a cross-cultural principle being taught. And this is reflected, I believe, even in the Ten Commandments themselves. Most scholars believe that the order of commandments goes in in order of importance. So if you think about the first four laws of the Ten Commandments are about loving God with everything you are and honoring him. And then the fifth commandment is a little bit of a transition. And then the other uh, five commandments are about loving your neighbor and what that looks like and how you do that. But again, most people say these are in order of importance. In other words, not murdering someone is actually a more important commandment, because it comes earlier, than not lying to them. And so what I'm getting at is that there are sometimes in our broken and fallen world, in some situations in which we're faced with a hard choice, where you have two wrong options. And how do you decide between those? For example, this was a really true choice uh, for what I see as a, as a hero of the Christian faith, Corey Ten Boom, whose family hid Nazis during the Nazi regime. And so imagine this, and, and for that, their family, this was a real scenario, Right? Uh, the Gestapo come and knock on your door and say, are there any Jews hiding in your house? And there are. What should Corey Ten Boom do? In my mind, she was right to lie to the Gestapo. Why? Because what you have is murder would have been committed if she had told the truth. And human life is more valuable than always being truthful. 
Now, I know this might make you a little bit uncomfortable, and so let me say a few more things to just clarify even more. Uh, first of all, I- I've heard some Christians look at this and say, hey, look, um, you know, the midwives lied and God approved of them, and Rahab lied and God approved of her. Therefore, Christians can lie in some situations. Um, you know, if, it, if the point is so that you don't hurt someone, then you can lie. And they basically end up opening the door to all kinds of white lies and not being truthful in all kinds of circumstances in which I would say, no, 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 you should be telling the truth. We should be seeking to become like Jesus. We should be people who are transparent and honest. So what's going on? Again, remember, both of these cases, human lives are at stake. So I think it is appropriate to say, look, if a human life is at stake, then it would be okay in that situation to tell a lie to save a life. Which immediately raises the question of, how many times have you been in that situation? Because I know I never have. And I can't think of uh, many times for many of us in normal life when we would be faced with that situation. The only two times in all of Scripture that lying is approved of to when human lives are at stake. So don't lie unless it's to save a life. Now I want to say two more points of application as we explore this together. Because as I was thinking about this question and looking at Jesus' example, it's clear, one, that yes, Jesus, I don't think, ever told a lie. I think he was always truthful and honest. But sometimes he evaded the truth. Have you noticed this? You know, like the Pharisees will be trying to trick him and ask him a question. And yes, they're trying to trick him, but oftentimes he doesn't answer straightforwardly. He asks a question in return. Um, He points out that their question actually makes no sense and why scripturally that is the case. There are all kinds of times where Jesus does not directly answer a question. And this is, I think, an important point that Christians need to learn because Uh, Ephesians 4.15 talks about speaking the truth in love. And I think Jesus' example points forward that the part of growing in wisdom, we want to grow in wisdom and honesty. And as we do that, we might find situations where actually just the blunt truth would be hurtful in some ways. And so I don't think it's actually wrong to not tell the truth at times if the truth would be hurtful for the person or in the situation. Now, you have to be really careful about this because, like we know from Scripture, the heart is deceitful above all things, and we all have in us, in our sin nature, this tendency to justify bad actions. And so you need to watch your motivations. But if your motivation is for the other person's good, not for your own good, but for their good, and just telling the blunt truth would actually be hurtful in this situation for them at this time, then I think it's totally appropriate to change the subject instead of answering the question. To redirect the conversation instead of offering the blunt truth that would actually hurt the person. And one more thing, both of these cases in the Old Testament are about civil disobedience. They're examples of someone Um, disobeying their ruling or political authorities at the time. Again, Shifra and Pua, they disobeyed Pharaoh, their king, and Rahab disobeyed the guards who had authority over her at this time. And so one last application for us is that this raises the question of civil disobedience. And just to get us thinking about this, I want to read to you this quote 
uh, from a scholar named John Stott, a New Testament scholar. And this is a long quote, and I know I apologize it's so long. This is from his book called The Contemporary Christian. But I think it will help give you some handles because there might come a time in our culture, perhaps sooner than we'd like, where this is a very real question for those of us who follow Jesus. So let me read this quote to you. Here's what John Stott writes. The disciples of Jesus are to respect the state and within limits submit to it. But they will neither worship it nor give it the uncritical support it covets. Consequently, discipleship sometimes calls for disobedience. Indeed, civil disobedience is a biblical doctrine, for there are four or five notable examples of it in Scripture. It arises naturally from the affirmation that Jesus is Lord. The principle is clear, even though its application may involve believers in agonies of conscience. It is this. We are to submit to the state because its authority is derived from God and its officials are God's ministers, Romans 13, 1-7, right up to the point where obedience to the state would involve us in disobedience to God. At that point, our Christian duty is to disobey the state in order to obey God. For if this state misuses its God-given authority and presumes either to command what God forbids or to forbid what God commands, we have to say no to the state in order to say yes to Christ. I appreciate Stott's um, transparency in that. Like This is a pretty clear principle, but the application is tough. And he even says, will involve agonies of conscience. And it's for all of us to consider as we say, yes, Jesus is Lord. He is my king. He is my boss. You could even say he is my ultimate president. As you do that, there may come times when to obey the current political authorities would mean to disobey God. And as a Christian, you are bound to say yes to Jesus first. So let me pray for us that God would give us the wisdom to discern where that line is, and the courage to act appropriately. So God, I thank you that lives are more valuable than lies. I thank you for the boldness of Shifra and Pua, who are willing to put their own lives on the line to defy Pharaoh with so much power. They must have been so intimidated, and yet they chose to stand up for your will and your way. God, I pray as we look to Jesus, that we would seek to become those kinds of people, people of both wisdom and courage. God, help us to be people who want to speak the truth, who want to be true, who let our yes be yes and our no be no, but also who are wise. And where there are situations when the blunt truth would actually hurt someone or hurt your witness, that we would have the wisdom to know how to perhaps redirect that conversation. And that there are times in which our political authorities get to the point where obeying them would mean disobeying you. God, show us where that line is. Give us the courage to follow you in the face of that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.